Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Enjoy. Halloween of 2001, a very young David Collins grew out his beard and let his hair grow and went to the ILM Halloween party dressed as George Lucas. I had a Lucasfilm uh, episode one crew bomber jacket, pair of jeans, white tennis <laughs> shoes, blue flannel, got some fake glasses. When I walked into the ILM Halloween party, which was this huge warehouse, um, people parted, people like the Red Sea parted, like people got no. out of the way. <laughs> Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the GBB Podcast and Twitter as well at the GBB Podcast. And anywhere you can download the podcast. I just recently got an Android and I found our podcast in an app. So you should be able to find it in anything. If I could do what that. did you find it in, Justin? Um, what is the color? It was just a free one. Uh, hold on. Podcast Addict, it's called. I don't know how good that is, but it was okay. free. So. There you go. You can find us there. <laughs> you can find us there. That's our official app. <laughs> not spo- <laughs> hashtag not sponsored. And so today, we, uh, Jamie, you interviewed a man by the name of David Collins, David Collins and... If you, the listener, are thinking that this is <laughs> Lieutenant Governor David Collins, Ooh, I don't even you know are wrong. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> or if you are thinking this is David Collins, the interior designer, no, it's not him. Because <laughs> those people both <laughs> Did you just Google there. David Collins to see? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just Googled re- David re- Collins re- to see how many well, there were? I remembered in the past when you first told me about him, I was looking up about him and everything that came up, it was like a bunch of other David Collins. And then he came out. I saw his Twitter after, but I was like, Lieutenant Governor. Wow. Who did Jamie get? (laughs) (laughs) Then I was like, oh, Lieutenant Governor of London in 1756. Okay. Yeah. We're not talking to him today. No, (laughs) no, no. no. So what was your chat about? Uh, yeah, so Star Wars, basically. Uh, this right. week this week was the f- official 40th anniversary of A New Hope, Star Wars, when it first came out. It, was, it uh, premiered May 25th, 1977, and so this was the 40th anniversary officially. Um, and so we figured we had to do something Star Wars-y to, to commemorate right. the event. Um, so, yeah, we talked to David w- David W. Collins. He, uh, For those of you who don't know... I'm going to just go ahead and plug his podcast right now. Uh, they, I, it, The podcast, spoiler alert, might be done. Um, not sure if he's going to go back and do more episodes of it, but it's definitely well worth going back to check it out. Uh, it's called Star Wars Oxygen. Um, definitely check it out. It's on uh, Rebel Force Radio, their podcast network, so they host it. So if you can't find it, you can just go there and look for it. But what he does is he basically takes a deep dive into the music of john williams from star wars um and it's not like 
uh, just like a fan sitting around saying, oh, this music is really good. And let's listen to this part again. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, he does do a little bit of that because the music is awesome. But he is, a, I mean, David Collins is a musician. He is very steeped in music theory. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, and he takes a deep analysis of, of the Star Wars music and how it connects across all the films that John Williams con- uh, composed for. Uh, and I, I tell you, it doesn't matter how many times I've listened to those scores, to the soundtracks, like mm-hmm. some of these episodes of Star Wars Oxygen, Collins just pulled out some amazing tidbits that I had never heard before, that I had never connected the dots to understand before. And like he felt like you want to talk about like Easter eggs or like hidden gems and secrets and things that he found to connect the prequels to the original trilogy to The Force Awakens. Um, it, it's just. It's mind-blowing. Some of the episodes I remember, my, my jaw just kind of dropped open because I couldn't believe what he had discovered inside the music that I had never heard before. Um, so that's that's my plug for his show. You definitely want to go check it out. But he's a lot more than just that. Um, he got he, he, he worked for over a decade, I believe, at LucasArts uh, for the video games. So he was involved in a lot of... He did sound design for a lot of the uh, Star Wars games from LucasArts. Um, he was, he's done a lot of voice acting. He, uh, Star Wars, um, The Force Unleashed, uh, he had a, a somewhat major role in that. He has been, uh, background characters and stormtroopers in both The Force Awakens and Rogue One. Uh, he is a host of one of the main stages at Star Wars Celebration for the past, mm, three, four, five years. Um, he is just like a huge, huge Star Wars fan. Um, really, really knowledgeable about, um, music theory and film and soundtracks um and we just had a really really cool conversation right and we tried to get some info about him on his opinion on what the last jedi means and he couldn't really answer the question but (laughs) i remember that but so if you're looking for spoilers you're probably not going to get any but he does offer a little little something to think about so maybe stay tuned for that clickbait <laughs> and you, you're gonna want to stick around until the very end because we do get his uh, patented amazing george lucas uh, imp- impersonation yes. out of oh that, that's the best uh, yeah i completely forgot about that <laughs> you're, you're and oh man he, so, this episode is so packed he also has an amazing story about the first time he met george lucas i don't know if you've heard it before but it was oh, yeah. absolutely it's absolutely hilarious so you have to stick around and make sure you check that out. All right, guys, we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy. David, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, thank you for your patience. I know, didn't we talk about doing this before Celebration? We did. We, uh, we talked about this a while back, and we just, you know, one thing yeah. after another, and you had Celebration, and then I was busy, and then you were busy, and then we we're finally making it work, though. Well, maybe there's so much more to talk about post-celebration, so maybe we can use this to our advantage. That's true. Yes. See, now that we actually saw some things and heard some things that we can we can talk about, and we can just geek out a little bit more than we might have been able to before. Sounds good to me. Um, so, speaking of celebration, you were there. How many was this for you? I, I, you know what? Someone else asked me that question, and I couldn't remember. It's my 10th year as a host. Wow. Okay. Um, because the first one I did was in 2007. As a, as a host of what was called the Celebration Theater at the time. Mm-hmm. And the highlights to that were uh, there was a big fanboys cast screening and there was uh, the big the big thing was Dave Filoni uh, debuting the Clone Wars trailer. It's the first time we ever got to see any of that. Um, but my first celebration, I worked the LucasArts booth and that was in Indianapolis in 
2005. Did I, were either of you there for that? I wasn't. No. It was it was uh, it was nice weather, and then it got really cold. But we were doing episode three, the video game, mm. uh, as a demo on this little side stage, and we had footage of the movie. And this was still probably about a month and a half before it came out. Yeah. So it was it was like it was just the show floor was packed, and and uh, that was the first one George Lucas attended, and. Um, anyway, so celebration three, four. Oh gosh, uh, too many, five, <laughs> too many. <laughs> Europe, Anaheim, and I don't know, almost ten, but not no, probably about seven or eight. I I, I don't know. Do you? But, uh, I mean, since you, I mean, I guess we could call you an old timer at it because you've been you've been to so many. But I mean, have have they changed much, or are they just still at you know at their kernel and the core of what they are? It's still basically the same, the same show, the same fans, the same vibe. They've changed pretty dramatically. Really, I think. Yeah, I mean, the if uh, Orlando was any indication, I mean, the the amount of people was, I mean, it, it broke the records this year. Yeah, you know, I think the amount of people was mm-hmm. just insane. And and when I first started, I was in a little theater with a little stage, uh, and we had like four lights, um, <laughs> like like we were being inter- you know interrogated by the by the Cardassians. Right, <laughs> there are four lights. <laughs> yes, I get Not it. <laughs> But no, there was there, it, there was just a little stage on the side, and it was probably about a thousand seat room. And this year, the room I was in was thir- well over thirty one hundred, and it was the same size as the main theater because there was just so many huge blowout panels. Yeah. And then we were multi streaming into each other's panels all the time, you know. And so it was it was really really big. And I just think you know since the Disney sale and the new movies and rebels and video games i mean there's and now disney parks like there's just so much content to cover in a week i used to think that you could pretty much see it all in a weekend mm-hmm. uh, at celebration especially over four days i don't think that's true anymore i feel like there's too much to see um which is why i think the live stream is so brilliant you know because you can go back and like i was just watching i finally got to watch mark hamill's tribute to carrie fisher oh so good um, because so i was in rehearsal when that happened and i didn't get a chance to see it um, so even I'm going back and watching panels that I missed, um, and that's just that's just awesome. But if it wasn't for that, I just don't think you'd be able to see it all. Uh, so I think it's changed quite a bit, but I, I hope for the better. I mean, it's hard from my perspective because I'm just always on the one stage, but um, I, I know that the crowds were were huge this year. So yeah, I, I, I heard I heard a lot of mixed reviews i mean some people um they had a great time they saw a lot of friends they caught up they they saw amazing things and then other people were just sort of overwhelmed or you know disappointed i guess by the crowds and it just feeling so much more of a spectacle than than a than a gathering of of fans with a common purpose so i, I wonder right. like you know it, there's one thing to be said about it getting bigger and more exciting and there's just so much more content but i wonder if it's losing that personal touch that made it something special and not just like another san diego sure i think that anytime you have change in anything there are uh there you know uh <laughs> star wars giveth and star wars taketh sure. away right <laughs> uh because because it, it it has gotten really really large and there is a mass appeal and back in the day i mean i do still think it's a reunion of friends but ironically a lot of the people that I, that are that I made friends with, I mean, are working it either as volunteers or, or they're there to, you know, do the artist booth, their mm-hmm. own artist booths, um, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that when it's anything that is this size, definitely um, doesn't have the same personal touch as something where you have 18,000 people showing up. 
Um, you know, that's a that's a much more manageable size. So certainly, it's different in that res- in that respect. And I know um, I know that I can't sp- oh, I can't speak for Lucasfilm or Reed, but I was blown away by the number of people that I saw. Yeah, and I can't imagine that. <clears throat> I mean, again, just guessing here. I I, I think it might have surprised everybody. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it continues to grow, but I I hope that there's even more. Uh, opportunities for people to do cool stuff over the yeah. weekend. Yeah, four days. Anything, anything more than four days? Like it's too, I mean, much. I, yeah, too much. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. So, you were hosting the Galaxy stage. Does that mean you miss out on most of the things going on? Did you miss out on the two big panels? I was lucky enough to, because I was the host of the Galaxy stage. Those two big panels were on my stage, but I wasn't the host. Oh, okay. I, I thought they were in a there. different different stage for some reason. The, the the main celebration stage, the Chapin Theater, was Warwick Davis's stage. But for whatever reason, well, for the 40th anniversary, I was just in a giant ballroom. In fact, it was the same ballroom I was in in 2010 and 2012. But they just doubled the size. They opened mm-hmm. it up, and you know, expanded the seats from you know whatever 1800 to 3100 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, bigger stage, more screens, and then a whole holding area for an orchestra. So it just was. I think better or easier to accommodate uh, the 40th anniversary panel. So Warwick hosted it in my space and I just kind of hung out by the side because mm-hmm. I had to be there for my music panel, which was the following panel anyway. Um, and the same was true for the last Jedi panel. So I was lucky enough for the first time to be in the room because I, I wasn't in the same room for uh, force awakens or rogue one panels in the last couple celebrations. So you were there with the, uh, the big John Williams reveal. I was. So I you, cried. Probably like a little kid, like everybody else in the room, right? <laughs> like everybody else in the room, and, and I, uh, my son, my son was with my son and my wife were there too, and I was holding him and like watching. In fact, at one point, I found myself standing next to Hayden Christensen. I was holding my son, and he just looked over and just kind of grinned at the two of us, and I was like, "Gotta start him early," you know. Uh, <laughs> and he just laughed, and everyone just seemed to be having, uh, you know, yeah. an emotional moment at that point. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the first time that you'd seen Williams conduct Star Wars, though, right? It wasn't, but it certainly was the the most up close yeah. that I'd ever gotten, and uh, and I you know had had been around for rehearsal the night before, even though I wasn't participating. I was wrapping up other stuff, and I knew he was coming, mm-hmm. but you know he you know he had a stand in for rehearsal, so he just showed up at the time, and and <laughs> the, when you have a room that's that big and the cameras are on him, people didn't quite make the connection that he was actually in the room and the orchestra was in the room. <laughs> so the realization ripples through the audience. It actually takes probably a good five seconds of realization for everyone in the room to realize he's actually there. Yeah. And you can actually hear it in the back of the room. The same thing happened with George Lucas in 2012 when he crashed the Clone Wars Season 5 panel. People didn't quite make the connection. The front row did immediately because they saw him. You know, but there was this ripple, and it was like it was not really a, um, it wasn't really uh, a cheer as much as it as was the sort of like from the gut, oh, like, <laughs> oh, you know, and everyone's making this noise kind of cascading to the point where, and then a cheer started to erupt, and he turned around, and he put his finger to his lips to shush everybody, and they just shushed down, and you could hear a pin drop, and then he just started, you know. You know, and started Princess Leia's theme, and everyone just went. <laughs> I know. Oh. Just completely lost it. Lost it. And, you know, it was just a really great moment after that tribute. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't and, even imagine. 
Yeah, and the orchestra played really well, and and uh, then they did the Imperial March. Then they did, no, they did the Imperial March. No, they did the main title. Yeah, and, and credits, and then ended with the Imperial March. Yeah, um, which has always been his encore. Yeah, uh, big encore piece. But yeah, that was really neat. I saw I saw him perform in Baltimore. Um, well, conduct. I saw him conduct in Baltimore a couple of years ago, and it was one of those things. Like I paid an obscene amount of money, but I was like, I never, I may never see this again. And yeah. uh, and it was it was incredible. It was like he he played pieces from throughout his entire career, um, and you know, like the second half, the second half of the show was basically all Star Wars, and it was just like I, I took my my wife and. She loved it because she's, you know, she's a huge music fan. She's a, you know, she's a classically trained pianist. And like, she kind of like, she, she, she got it, but like, she didn't get it. And I was like, yeah. you don't understand. This is, it's not every day you get to see like the greatest living film composer conduct the greatest living score, the greatest score ever. Like, she's just, don't you she, know what yeah. you're watching? She was yeah. like, uh, okay, maybe you need to just calm down. I was like, no, I can't calm down. Don't you know what this means? Um, yeah, yeah, it was that was great, and of course to see Harrison Ford and George Lucas and yeah. Mark Hamill and mm. you know everybody else on stage and Hayden Christensen was that was really cool too. Yeah, and, he uh, it was. I was watching in the live stream and he looked like he was just genu- genuinely touched, just like like yeah. just thrilled to be there and just kind of like just overwhelmed with emotion that like he was welcomed. I guess you know like he had gotten such a nice reception. A huge reception, and, and from what I understand, his uh, meet and greet line and his autograph line were like sold out within like an hour. Wow, or something. I mean, he he really like the demand is so high because it's so rare yeah. that he comes mm-hmm. comes to those, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was neat. And he was on stage with Ian McDiarmid at the same time, and they were talking about their scene together, and that was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was it was great, you know. Um, those were uh, really, really intense panels, but I feel like the whole weekend was that way. I mean, I ended up later on, I had the Rebel Season 4 panel, I had the Battlefront 2 panel, I had the Disney Parks panel, uh, we had our radio drama that we did. I mean, the whole weekend was just, you know, yeah. bam, 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 bam. Um, and uh, so it's it was like, by the time we got to the last day, it seemed like ancient history that the 40th had happened. Because it <laughs> Or very full days, you know, in the past. Um, but it was it was cool. It was cool. Were you were both you guys there? Were you able to make it this year? I wasn't. I was supposed uh, to be there, and then the last minute, my plans fell through. I didn't go. Oh, uh, I know. Well, yeah, like I said, the live stream is. It's it, it sort of it, it. I I didn't like. I was I was upset that I couldn't go, but I was like, yeah, but I've got the live stream. I don't have to wait in the lines. You know, I can still watch everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you get to see it all and as it breaks, and you yeah. Know, um, I just, I, I think it's uh, just such a brilliant thing. And that what's so special about celebration is that it's one IP intellectual property from one mm-hmm. company and, uh, um, they have the ability to stream everything because it's all them. I mean, yeah. you couldn't do that with right, Hulk, right. necessarily. There's just too many stakeholders and too many different companies. And, and this is just like, here you go. Yep. This is all for you, whether you're here or not, here you go. You know, and I, I, uh, it keeps getting better and better. And that crew I've worked with them a few times now, <clears throat> you know, not just on the celebration live streams, but doing the Rogue One premiere and the Force Awakens premiere, and then doing some correspondent work for the Star Wars show, you know, throughout the mm-hmm. season. And and they're just a really, really good crew that really cares deeply about trying to make stuff that's compelling, yeah. and they have to do it every week. And that's a grueling schedule, you know. Having yeah. done the comlink and 
and some other stuff, you know, some other shows. I mean, it's it's not easy to do that much content all the time. No, I know. I uh, I write for the website StarWars.com, and I know you know. I, so I don't I don't work with the the video people, you know, the Star Wars show that side. But I work with the website guys, and yeah. even from that side, you know, it's like putting out solid content with original posts and some saying something original about Star Wars every day is is no yeah. easy feat. <laughs> Yeah, and their Webby Awards are, which they recently won, are yeah. very, very well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy. That, you know, it's not that. I mean, Star Wars was totally different when I was working there full time. So it's not, it's not apples to apples to compare the website back then to what it is now. But, sure. um, you know, there, it's just, it, it's, it's just gotten so good. Yeah. You know, um, it's really spun up into something nice. I'm always excited to see what they're going to do next. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Even the Rebels recon stuff is just, you know, after you watch an episode of Rebels and you've got questions about it, it's immediately there and you get mm. to hear a commentary from Filoni about it, you know? Yeah. Yep. How, come, how come that lightsaber fight was so fast? Oh, Seven Samurai callback. There it is right there, you know? <laughs> um, this, this is what really, really good warriors would do. It would be over in like a split second, you know? And, and uh, getting that kind of instant feedback from the creators, if you're interested in it, it's it's just really really neat yeah, yeah it makes you wish they could do that for like every show like every show you enjoy you're like why doesn't something like this exist for everything that i like <laughs> i know <laughs> an immediate breakdown every show <laughs> yeah i don't see why it can't be hard right <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly i want to go see rogue one at the midnight screening yes and then at 2 a.m i want a commentary <laughs> i want i want a shot by shot breakdown of what everything yeah. meant what all the callbacks yeah. were yeah yeah <laughs> I want I want a Q and A built into the credits. Exactly. You, you know, you, you stay for you stay after the the credits, and you get the director's commentary right then and there. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It's not yeah. too much to ask, really. Or or at least the twenty things you missed in Rogue yes, One. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or that no, it, yeah, it has to be nineteen or some weird odd number. Yeah. yeah. Twenty one things you missed. Twenty three. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Twenty things you won't believe. It's those odd yeah. numbers. It's those odd numbers that get you to click, though. I tell you. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Nine things you missed. <laughs> so uh, anyway. let's let's talk about the uh, the episode eight teaser for a few minutes. Sure. Uh, first of all, did you hear any new music in it? You may have already addressed this. Uh, I mean, the whole thing was was filled with new music, but. Um, there's been no confirmation that it was John Williams. I, I kind of doubt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I, I, you know, it, 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 it was really, really well done. I mean, yeah. it was, uh, you know, the way it used race theme with the, the force theme and, um, and all of that. I mean, it sounded really great, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely custom, um, to the trailer, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I feel like we all kind of got a, um, I think we got a little spoiled when we got that Thanksgiving teaser trailer back in 2014 that John Williams specifically scored because it's really rare. Right. You know, even for Star Wars, I think it was a first. I don't remember him ever scoring a trailer before. Well, they 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 recycled a lot of music for the previous trailers, right? Yeah, yeah. For previously, yeah, like all the prequel stuff was always Williams. But I mean, to actually go in and like make a new composition for a trailer, you know. uh, even though you know there's been reports of him scoring everything early, and we know that he scored stuff early, I don't think that that was him. Okay. Uh, but I don't know for sure. All right. Um, so. But your gut's telling you that it was it was not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair I don't. Think. So um, we 
Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say we don't. I was just gonna go on to the next one. We don't usually do this. We don't speculate on our show. I don't know why. We just don't. It's not something we do. But we're gonna do it with you here. <laughs> so it's time to speculate. It's time. Ta- it's time for the Jedi to end. What do you think that means? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Put, putting them on the spot. Do we, do we have all night? <laughs> um. What? What? It's time for the Jedi to end. What do I think that that means? Um, my first thought when I saw that was that it was related to, uh, why he went to an island in the first place. You know, that was my first thought. Um, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm in a little bit of a tricky situation here talking about The Last Jedi. Um, so so I, I can't really get into it, but I can tell you that was my first thought. Um, okay. Uh, was just that it was related to what we saw in the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. you know that uh, so, that you right. know he, he's vanished and there's a reason and uh, he's probably not very happy, um, and uh, that's all I can really say so about basically, that. Basically, basically what you're saying is I know, but the NDA tells me I can't tell you. <laughs> I, I, you're breaking up a little bit. What? what <laughs> No, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's a little hard to talk about, but um, but that was you know the first time I saw that that was my that was my right. impression was that it was related to, you know, and I think that that's, you know, without giving giving anything away, I think that that's pretty. I thought that that was pretty clear, you know, yeah. that like you know <laughs> jump the jump to that is you know that that it would have something to do with uh, with why he why he vanished in the first place, you know. Sure. Um, uh, but what it actually, what the ramifications are of that, what what it actually means, um, we don't know. Uh, although we did hear, you know, Daisy Ridley drop a hint in the in the panel about, you know, um, that that there's some that there's some unexpectedness with with Luke Skywalker, you know. Um, so I think there's something to that. I think that those two ideas are are most likely tied. That was. That was my honest to goodness first thought when I saw the trailer, knowing nothing. So uh, <laughs> fair enough. So there, Fair enough. I mean, there's a there's a reason we don't speculate. I mean, like, number one, you know, talking about rumors that are going to be confirmed or denied within a few months does not make for a good longevity of a show. Nobody's going to go back and listen to us talk about, you know, like, what do you think that meant? Um, But it's also, you know, it's like I, I I'm not one of those people like I'm not I don't I don't spend hours sitting around thinking like who is Snoke you know because it's yeah, like right. I, I like to just go in and enjoy the story that's being told and not build one up in my own mind you know I mean we don't we don't we don't record two hour podcasts about a two minute trailer for that very reason you know it's it's right, just right, let's right. let's enjoy the story that's being told and not overthink it too much right yeah I think that's good because the danger is always you know putting the movie up against the movie in your mind exactly and we've all done that you know we're i think it's kind of natural when you're a fan of something it's the it's the fan circle of life i I just did the the uh, i just did fat man on batman uh oh nice and and we're that's what he said it's just the fan circle of life you know where you you obsess over something and when you get it you're almost scared to watch it because it's (laughs) much good new stuff is coming at you and you're like, you know, I, I, ooh, ooh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know if I'm gonna like this. I don't. Oh, this is, this is pretty good. Oh, this is good. I, I like this. <laughs> oh yeah, I really enjoy that. Oh, except for that one thing. Yeah, that one thing kind of bothered me. Did you notice that too? Yeah. Oh, and there was this other thing. Why did they do that? <laughs> in fact, about an hour in, this one thing really bugged me. Let's go out to coffee and talk about it. We, we, let's obsess about this. Are you gonna go see it again? Well, yeah, like two more times. <laughs> you know, and then, and then you fast forward like 
10 years later and you're like, that's the best film. <laughs> back in the day i didn't really know stuff but now i get it you know like that's that's just and what? that is the fan that is the right. fan sure. circle of life sure. like you know we all do it um you know so yeah it's really hard not to to do it but certainly not speculating for hours upon hours yeah. uh helps because you start you start directing the movie yourself yeah you know? mm-hmm. right yeah. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, not really nitpicking, but, you know, that fan circle and, and, and hating it and then loving it and then hating it and then loving it. Um, I, I wanted to ask, in Rogue One, yeah. do you think, because we talked about Hayden Christensen, do you think that it was a missed opportunity to not have a brief Hayden cameo there when we first see Vader in the back to tank? Oh, interesting. Um you know, I didn't even think about it. And then within the last couple of weeks, I saw somebody, I mean, it was a tweet or something. I just saw somebody offhandedly, casually mention it and be like, oh, wouldn't it have been great if? And then it's just stuck with me. I said, oh, yeah. You know, like, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the prequels, but that would have been a really cool way to tie everything together. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really ties the room together. Um, yeah, you know what? My, my thought about that was that it was all done to hold a surprise for as long as possible like i remember a friend of mine going why didn't they lower third you know title the planet mustafar yeah because that was clearly mustafar you know is it because they're backing away from it because it's prequel content i said no because they want yeah. it to be a surprise right we don't know the ring of kefrain we don't know jetta we don't know edu yeah. but we we know mustafar right. and so instead you come in on this planet and you don't know who this hooded figure is and he's like my lord you know, he's here. What are we going to get? Are we going to get the emperor? Are we going to get, you know, and you don't really know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's obvious when you look back on it, but for that like instantaneous thrill, mm-hmm. you know, in the theater, they, they just really, to the point where they didn't use uh, the Imperial March, they used Vader's original theme and the music even. Mm-hmm. And then you don't, I think it was all to hold the power of that silhouette, that wonderful silhouette of Vader walking into the room. Because that shot was just so beautiful that they didn't want to they didn't want to uh, spoil it. That's what I think was probably the intention there. Yeah. But how it ages, like yeah, maybe it would be cool to have Hayden Christensen in there, but it didn't even occur to me. I would, I kind of like they you know they did everything they could to kind of obscure it as much as possible, even though we kind of knew they wouldn't confirm it for us. Mm-hmm. Hayden would, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would like to see a cut with it just to, to compare the two, to your point. That would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I do agree. I, I think that's exactly why they didn't put Mustafar on the screen. And I think uh, Pablo Hidalgo even came out and said that. You know, he said before Rogue One came out, I think he, he tweeted that. He said, there's there's one scene in the movie that's going to give a lot of ammunition to the you know the, the prequel haters, the people who think that we're, you know, we're... Actually, I'm sorry, to the prequel lovers, the people who think that... Lucasfilm and Disney are, are, you know, crapping on the prequels. Um, but that's not at all why we did it. You know, it wasn't that we were yeah. trying to shun the prequels and not name Mustafar. It was that they were trying to preserve that surprise for that one moment. That's exactly why yeah. they did it. Because you don't want to see that thing and go, oh, Vader's castle on Mustafar. You yeah. want it to just yeah. unfold. I mean, on second viewing, it's totally obvious. But you're right. The first yeah. time you see it, you're like, wait, I right. think this is what's going to happen. But maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like who is this old guy in the robes? Like, what is, is this emperor thing? Is this uh, what's the bat? You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of know, but like, just the power of not confirming it, even I felt like was a, a wonderful suspense moment. And then, 
that shot of him just like almost gliding down that yep. ramp. You know, you're just like, oh my god. But then they gave him a dad joke. I like the dad joke. <laughs> I love it too, but it kind of wasn't in keeping with his. Ca- maybe he was still trying out the robes. Maybe you know, like he yeah. he he wasn't really Vader yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I, you know, I, call me a geek dad, but uh, I mean, I I really you know I thought it was I would, I just thought it was funny because. Yeah. He, you know, he would never say something like that to Tarkin or to the Emperor. <laughs> He's just like, you know, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I know people are really mixed about it, but at the oh, moment, I loved it. I'm having so much fun and I don't know. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Um, <laughs> do Do you have a uh, a favorite Star Wars story, including you know what they now call Legends? Oh, interesting. Um, well, let's see. Uh, a favorite Star Wars story what? altogether. There's so many. I, I guess I could give you a few. Sure, that's okay. Um, I, I guess. Well, let me get these out of the way. So I loved working on the Force Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Right, that was really really fun. And I thought Hayden Blackman is not only just a, a super an incredibly talented game developer, but a talented writer. He had done some really uh, fantastic comics, like Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison was one that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a great moment where he was having visions of Padme in that. Um, uh, I liked the idea of the Infinities comics, but uh, but I, I didn't necessarily love everything about them. I didn't like Vader in the white robes at the end of, <laughs> of Return of the Jedi. Like, I'm fine. It's like, you know... <laughs> It's like, well, no, actually, you're a mass murderer, and it wouldn't quite go down this way, but but I get it. You know, uh, but I, I really liked working on the Force Unleashed uh, story. I loved the idea of getting to know more about the dark side. Um, I I loved the Younglings arc in the Clone Wars. I'm just going to randomly tell you guys stuff. That's yeah, cool. Do it. Uh, yeah. The whole idea of having to go find your Kyber crystal and and uh, and you know create your own lightsaber, and that the crystal calls to you. I loved that. Um, recently I loved Rogue One in terms of more of the legend stuff I would say that um, uh, I'm trying to think of back to all the books I liked the Thrawn trilogy I loved Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn mm-hmm. uh, I I liked the Jedi Academy trilogy that Kevin Anderson did right. those kind of six original books I was like oh that's neat um, uh, you know I'm glad that the, uh, the Nagri and Rook are, are coming into Rebels I think that's really cool you know, I remember the moment in that book where Leia struggles to use the Force to hold up a lightsaber in front of the Nagri. I, I just thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, weirdly enough, I, I, I might be in the minority of this, but I really liked the Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina book, if you I guys loved, remember. I loved the Tales books. I thought they were great fun. I, I didn't read the, the Jabba's Palace mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read the Mos Eisley Cantina one, and it happened to coincide at a time in my life where I was had to read uh, the Canterbury Tales in English class. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, you've got the Handmaiden's Tale and the mm-hmm. whatever's tale, uh, Friar's Tale and all that. And I was like, wow, someone did Chaucer for Star Wars. This is so yeah. neat. You know, and the, some of those stories I still hold on to, you know, like Muftak and Cave and, and <laughs> Pondababa and Dr. Evzon and, you know, the Tonica twins and all that kind of stuff and, and the Deveronian and, you know, and, the, and, and Momon the Don, the, 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 the Ithorian, mm-hmm. like, you know, peaceful person, you know. Um, I just really liked um, watching the same thing go down from multiple perspectives. And, yeah. and uh, I remember working on KOTOR 2, the video game, loving when Kreia was talking about 
you know, the perspective of the dark side versus the Jedi, you know, which you saw again in episode three, this idea of that it's all a matter of perspective, yeah. you know, that, uh, that, you know, the Jedi are not as selfless as you think. They actually deny, uh, you know, a lot of things to a lot of people. And we don't, we don't deny you anything, you know? Right. I loved, I loved kind of the different perspective on that. I'm excited about Battlefront 2, actually, for that reason, because they're writing a story that, takes place from someone that grew up in a military family that, you know, was on a world that was peacefully occupied by the empire and her father was a huge part of the empire. So from her perspective, she's the, you know, she's on the winning team right? and those are terrorists, you know, and when the second death star blows up, she's crushed. We saw in the trailer, you know, like I love, I love those ideas of, of different perspective. I think that's like probably mm -hmm. my favorite part about legends or anything, even if it's not canon, um, you know, just kind of a riff on something that we know so well. Yeah. So I guess the obvious answer would be I love Empire and I love Jedi and I love Revenge of the Sith. The, those that. are the but easy answers. Those are the easy answers. Right. It's the, of course I love that stuff. But, like, are there tie-ins to that? Um, I'm trying to think of some other, some other stuff. Well, and with, a, and with Battlefront 2, we're going to be getting the uh, Christy Golden novel out of that, too, which yeah. is going to be probably amazing. Inferno Squad, yeah. yeah. And I, I love working on Republic Commando as well. Um, you know, I thought that that was such a cool story. I love all the clone lore. I love mm -hmm. what Dan and George did with the clones in in the Clone Wars. Um, you know, the, the the Bad Batch episodes really reminded me of the Republic Commando stuff that we did. And, and you know, George seemed to, while I was there and even beyond... Um, he would try out ideas, you know, or, or certain ideas would happen in a video game and, and there would be feedback that would come directly from him. Like Republic Commando, the feedback was very Bad Batch-esque with that we got to change those characters at the end of the, hmm. at, towards the get production of the game. And then sure enough, years later, you see him explore those same ideas. But he was already exploring it at the time because we were in production at the same time as Revenge of the Sith. So he already knew he wanted a Commander Cody. He already knew he wanted different you know, different personalities yeah. that weren't necessarily just designation numbers, you yeah. know, like, um, so, you know, the same is true with, you know, in Force Unleashed that, you know, there were ideas in the Force Unleashed that were revisited in the Clone Wars, like, uh, you know, a, a crazed Jedi on a junk planet with spider legs, for example, or, uh, <laughs> uh you know, a blind, a blind Jedi, that sort of thing, you know, yeah. um, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of those ideas kind of came back and it's, it's neat. You know, I think that, uh, it's neat that you when you see those ideas kind of uh, suddenly elevate to a a bigger audience, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, um, like no, when, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say when I saw Delta Squad in season five of of the Clone Wars, I just I just jumped, and I remember the dev team, you know, they'd all moved on; they weren't at LucasArts anymore. But we were all emailing each other about it. <laughs> you know, validation, you know, yeah. uh, our small place in canon, you know. No good idea really dies, even if it's not used. What are they, there, there, there's a there's a good phrase for that. I can't think of it right now, but it's yeah. You know, it, it, no good idea just goes away. It's just it's shelved for for future use. Right. Well, yeah. Like I love that they keep going back to all those Ralph McQuarrie paintings. Yeah. Like, you know, like Mother Talzin was uh, was a, a Darth. What became Darth Maul was obviously very different. But when they were trying to figure out what a really scary Sith look like there was this drawing that someone made during the episode one concept art phase. If you look at those books and it became Mother Talzin and I love when they recycle that stuff because mm -hmm. somehow in my mind I've seen it over the years and it still feels like Star Wars even though I haven't 
sure. seen it. Sure, you know? exactly. Uh, even Zeb Aurelius from from Rebels feels like that original Wookiee, the original Chewbacca drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which then kind of again showed up in Maz's bar as a as a different homage to that. You know, in that mm-hmm. opening shot, following him around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of like pose from behind. You know. Um, anyway, I just think that stuff's interesting. Oh, yeah. I love those little, I mean, I don't know if you call them Easter eggs, but they're the little things that they throw in because it's, it, it they're not throwaways, but they're, you know, they're callbacks mm-hmm. to a lot of the, the concept art and the design work that went into some aspect of Star Wars that just didn't make it for whatever it was designed for, but they're going to, you know, it was still a, still a solid design and they still wanted to use it somewhere. So they, they put it in something else. I just, I love that. Me too. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Um, I've asked a few people this, and I, I kind of want to get your your answer to this. So, if you were put in charge of a Star Wars show on Netflix, <laughs> oh my goodness, what would it be about? <laughs> oh wow, um, it would be about um, Gungan family politics. No, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, the first. The first thing that comes to mind, sorry. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is is some sort of. Uh, well, that's just a cheap answer. I was going to say something underworldish, but yeah, I mean, the, I think there's kind of a collective fan realization that we've never really no. had our bounty hunter fix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in comics. We've seen it in you know. I worked on Star Wars Bounty Hunter, uh, the the Jango Fett game. That was really fun, you know, telling that story and doing all those cinematics and um, as a sound editor. But we've never really had a chance to uh, to to see what a you know what a bounty hunter type of movie would be. You know, yeah. like I, I think of Suicide Squad, which I you know I shouldn't even talk about because I haven't even seen it. Um, That's okay. Kid, I haven't seen it either, but I'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Batman, so, like, I can talk about Suicide Squad as a concept. Uh, I want to see, um, see a, a IG-88, uh, Boba Fett, Zuckus, and 4OM, and Bosk movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. And Dengar. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. Sure. You know, I want to see that sort of seedy underworld. I want to see Nar Shaddaa in a movie. You yeah. know? Um, I would, and, and, you know, I want to see a movie with bounty hunters and huts and Black Sun and, and that whole world. And what their reality is like. Um, the other thing is that I, I had a really good time working on these um, uh, video game trailers with Blur Studios for The Old Republic and Force Unleashed 2. We did that big Deceived trailer where there was like hundreds of Jedi and hundreds of Sith fighting in the Jedi Temple. Right. You guys remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was the, I guess you could say I was the supervising sound editor on that one and the one after it that took place on Alderaan uh, with the big fight in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Force Unleashed two trailers, you know, with Sam. And um, I remember thinking, you know, uh, the amount of the, the level of quality per minute versus the cost, we could make an incredible ninety minute movie yeah. of this. <laughs> um, and I remember we all kind of talked about it because I just love that crew so much. And Dave Wilson, the director, um, uh, his boss went on to direct Deadpool, right? Um, uh, he was just so good. And I just really, really wanted to keep making those because I just thought, well, this is something we've never seen before. Um, I like the old Republic era. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I guess that would be another one. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
But yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? It answers I, it perfectly. It's actually my answer too, because I've thought about this, and I think what what I would love mm-hmm. to see is a show that focuses on the bounty hunters. I would love to see a yeah. show about about female bounty hunters is what I want to see, but any bounty uh-huh. hunters is what I'll take. Oh yeah, Aura Singh. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah the, uh, you know, I mentioned Christy Golden, The Dark Disciple. I don't know if you read it, but the book that book was incredible, and it really focused, you know, it focused on her, and it was just like it was this this focus on bounty hunters that and humanizing her that we don't usually see and i think that you know spread out into a netflix style show would be amazing mm-hmm. i didn't get to read dark disciple you should. Uh, but I, I know all about <laughs> it and and you know and t- i talked to to christy in rehearsal about it and you know um yeah she's great yeah. and she's done other, other game tie-ins and she's done a lot of a lot of cool stuff yeah but uh but yeah, um, there's some really great novels that are coming out. It's it's almost overwhelming. You know? It is. Uh, I remember, you know, it was so much easier to keep up with it in high school and college. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it's so hard. Like, and, I, and when Marvel relaunched all the comics, like I I right. read every single one of them, and I you know somewhere along the line, it just starts falling away because there's just too much to keep up with. So much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much stuff, but you know, I I. I what generally happens is I go back and cherry pick, you know, um, like I'll go back and read novelizations that I missed of the movies or I'll go back and download old comics. I remember like black Friday, right. When dark horse was about to lose their license. Yeah. I bought everything digitally. Like <laughs> they're just blowing it out. And I was like, yep. And so now I have it all. And I just started going through and just like, you know, uh, with my iPad, just reading all that stuff that I missed. You know? Yeah, I, I missed a lot of the later Dark Horse stuff, too. I need to go back and catch up on a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and be, I was just going to correct myself, because before anybody decides to write me and call me on it, I know Dark Disciple is not about Aura Singh. It's about Asajj Ventress. I just, yeah, I my mind that. my mind went there when you when we were talking about <laughs> bounty hunters. And I just it got ahead of, of what, you know, Jamie, my, you my mouth. Jamie, you said it wrong. I know, I'm be sorry. All the Twitter people. I'm sorry. Well, and I, did, I, did I did a panel with Pablo and Dave, I think, in Anaheim that was all about how they were taking a lot of those plot things that they didn't get to explore in the Clone Wars. They right. were turning it into novel and so yeah you know we talked a lot about it back then and and uh and i just didn't get it i still haven't had a chance to read it um you know what i found really helpful by the way is pablo's book um all about the extended universe expanded universe uh novels what's it called what's my ipad it's it's like a book that features a summary of everything of all the books yeah yeah i'm blanking on it's a legend summary yeah it came out a couple years ago. I can and like, see the cover of even it. Even the junior novels with like a young Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon that came out, you know, during the Phantom Menace era. He gave <laughs> like a little uh, uh, a breakdown, like plot synopsis. And then you could kind of read some of the inconsistencies that were then like f- fell out of canon. Like, yeah. <clears throat> for example, like, you know, there was this one thing where he said in one line of the movie, um, George turned during Attack of the Clones. George turned the Jedi Order into a monastic order that couldn't marry and fall in love and all that, thus nullifying this novel's plot point by A B C. You know that was written in 1999. <laughs> now, like there was a whole like rundown of all that stuff, and it was just so well researched. And now I use it as cliff notes. Where I'm like, what was that thing that yeah. happened? Again? That's and what like, I need because who can read all those old at those books at this point? There's just too it's just too many of them. So well, and like you don't need to go back and read the Crystal Star, for example. Right. Uh, I, I, I read that when it first came out and I didn't need to read it. 
there's just there's some books that are just like I, I don't need a purple 3PO I don't need you know, like a lot of times those books would give us like really wonderful things like I'm not I'll, I'll be honest I'm not a huge fan of uh, Courtship of Princess Leia for example nope yeah me neither but we wouldn't have Dathomir without it so yeah. like there, there's usually some cool things in those books but yeah it's not necessarily it's kind of a mixed bag yeah yeah uh, Although, yeah. since the Disney purchase, I, w- I do have to say that, all, I don't want to say all, but most of the books that have come out have been really good. And this is sadly where I'm falling behind because I can't get to them. I downloaded Aftermath and, and uh, what else did I download? I can't remember. Have you read oh, Bloodline? No, I haven't read Bloodline, and I haven't read the uh, the, the Canaan novel, Lost, was it Lost Star? No, Lost Stars is the other one by um, Claudia Gray. The Canaan and Hera is, um, oh gosh, um, geez, I should know this, but yes, it's not. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, it's like I'll download those things and yeah. I'll get through the opening of them. Like I did this with Plagueis, right? Like I, the James Lucero novel. I was like, oh, this is going to be so good, and then life happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is, yeah. It's it's overwhelming, like you said. There's just too many books coming out. I'm trying to stay on top of it, but I've fallen behind. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't read the Wendig books. I read the first one. I read Aftermath, but I I didn't read the second or third one yet. And right. um, there's just too much. There's just too much. Well, this is the issue too. Like I try and use this as my as my defense when I tell people this, and I always I'm always honest about it. But when you're preparing a celebration you're just constantly learning about new content. Yeah. Like I, you know, I had, I was reading so much and and in rehearsals for everything going on in the Disney parks and everything, you know, going on in season four and, and uh, making sure that I was basically a rebels expert of Mm -hmm. season one through three, you know, Um, and everything going on uh, with uh, battlefront, you know, I mean, I played hours and hours and I worked on battlefront, you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, But just so that I could, you know, speak intelligently in a live stream in front of, you know, a ton of people and talk to the developers about, about these things, you know, you, you end up like really having to pick and choose right. and dive on certain things and, and inevitably things just get missed. Right. You know? Um, so anyway, um, it's hard. Yeah. I don't doubt it. And you don't want to get caught saying something wrong. Like I just did mm-hmm. about a book about Aura Singh when it's really about a Saj Ventures. And I mean, you don't want to and, say that in front of 3000 people. <laughs> would you, man. Come on. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, so one of the things that you did there uh, at Celebration, though, is that you were in the the last of the Smugglers trilogy, the radio stories that you, that um, Kyle does. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about this because I've been curious. So Lucasfilm and Disney are notoriously protective of their property. Uh, yeah. They they don't endorse anything that's not canon, that's not official. How did they get? How do they break down those doors and get these radio plays like the official stamp of approval? That's a great question. So I, I mean, it's basically it's, fan fiction. It is fan fiction. It's completely fan fiction. Um, I think what happened was, if I if I kind of trace it back historically, so back in 2012, you know, there were there were there were some new things coming to celebration, right? But mm-hmm. the big thing really was Clone Wars season five. And Kyle, you know, who had directed Fanboys, I mean, and this is the magic of Kyle Newman, like he, he really hustled to get something together. And he's like, I love these radio dramas. And he pitched them to Mary Franklin at the time mm-hmm. and said, I want to do this live radio drama. I think this would be a really good fit. And, you know, Mary is always looking for content, you know, historically and even now, you know, that that is a good fit for a live event. And only in an event like Celebration can you pull 
all of those different people together, you know, out of the autograph hall mm -hmm. and get them on stage together. And that makes for a good panel, you know, and so it was programming, you know, to fill a slot on a Saturday night. He got in early. No one really knew what to expect. Um, and uh, this was, you know, before any sort of reboot or canon, you know, stuff came up. And it was just like, hey, I've got this story that I wrote. I want to do it. And we didn't know if anyone was even going to show up. I mean, that's, I guess, the history of it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so, and and I had done, you know, like a, a Han Solo thing for the, what was the Force cast at the time. Um, like a like a, a Christmas holiday jingle, you know, as Han Solo. And, and Kyle heard it and he loved it. And I was at a, uh, a 3D uh, Lucasfilm screening on the Fox lot for the Phantom Menace 3D in like January of 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. And I barely knew Kyle that, at that time. I've met him once or twice. And he's like, I heard your Han Solo thing. I think it's great. I want to write a Han Solo radio drama and I want you to be in it. I said, okay. <laughs> and he's like, how do we get this done? How do we get this done? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a stage host and every year I do this, I, I pitch content to Mary, so let's pitch it. And I did and she said, yeah, that sounds great. And then it happened and it was a huge hit. Like, I think that was the big, uh, the, the big thing that happened is that, you know, it really resonated and everyone was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So when it came time to do it again in Anaheim, they said, sure, of course. But in between there, they were like, you know, this is, these aren't canon and we want to be really clear about that. You know, right. and we're like, yeah, well, we're just doing this for fun, you know? So they, they definitely made that distinction. These are not can canon stories. And then we did it again and it was a huge house uh, in Anaheim and because there was a precedence for it, it seemed fine, you know, and there was almost an expectation of like, Hey, we want this, to, we want this content because how often do you get a chance to see Tom Cannon, Sam Whitworth and Matt Wood and, sure. and Matt Lambert and everyone on stage together at the same time doing a live reading. Like mm -hmm. we've never seen Clone Wars, you know, we've never seen them basically just acting live in front of you, voice acting live. And so, um, it just made for good, I think, uh, uh, convention content. I think that's really it. That's really it. And they just kind of snuck their way in. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to say that they snuck. Their well, they, way, they, they, like, they got in at the right time, I should say. I don't think that somebody yeah. would be able to come in with their original story and, and pitch it and be able to get on stage today. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess what I guess another way to kind of flip the script on that is to say it didn't seem like it seems like a bigger deal now than it did at the time. At the yeah. time, it was no right. big deal. It's like, hey, we've got this radio drama we think it would be really fun to get actors on stage and read in front of a crowd they'd probably love it yeah you know it, yeah. it kind of like what they do at comic-con where you know jim cummings reads darth vader is winnie the pooh yeah you know? exactly <laughs> uh, it was kind of like that you know and then it just kind of took on a life of its own when when people really responded to it so i think that's really kind of uh the best way to put that yeah no it's, um, it's great it's, and and they're they're i was just watching it again today this afternoon the, the most recent one from orlando and they're just they're good fun and it's, and it's like you're right it's fun to watch everybody on stage acting and you know not answering questions not telling stories but just doing their thing you know and just having yeah. fun doing it let us entertain you for an hour and yeah. and uh and you know you, you can just kind of let your imagination run wild and, and have a, a good star wars story and there's lighting and sound effects and music and and uh yeah, and, and I think uh, Kyle and FJ do a great job yeah. at writing those scripts. And, I mean, that was down to the wire. I mean, we we got the last scene handed to us as a rewrite moments before we went on stage. Wow. You know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, putting it all together at the very, very last minute. And that was the first time we all read it together. You know, I mm -hmm. read it once with Cat Tabor, 
Mm-hmm. I'd read it with Kyle and FJ, um, but I only read the first half of it live with sound effects ever in rehearsal. And then uh, never once read it with Sam or Steve or Vanessa or anything. And those ended up being like some of the greatest scenes in the thing, you know, I mean, yeah. Vanessa, Steve and, and, and Sam, like when they shoot each other, you know, that was hilarious. It's just so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And that's what convention should be for, you know, let's not take this so serious. Let's not yeah. have it be, you know, super corporate all the time. Yep. You know, it, it is supposed to be a fan, uh, a fan convention as well. Exactly. You know, so. No, I, I love yeah. those are the those are the events that I go to conventions for. You know, you see things that you just you're not going to see them anywhere else. You know, right, right, yeah, um, exactly. Let's switch over for a second to um, Star Wars Oxygen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, sure. I I started listening probably episode two or three when it, you know, and then I, I listened on from there. Um, I can't say anything that you probably haven't already heard about how insightful and and eye-opening they have been but what really impressed me obviously was how much research you put into every episode um so i have to ask though in your research and your prep how much did you actually discover that you didn't know beforehand or did everything you turn up be like oh yeah i already knew this but this is this is going to be interesting for the audience who doesn't know this sure no um the the answer to that honestly and simply is that um that there was a lot that i learned that i didn't know yeah and, and and in all honesty, when I started the show, I started the show because <clears throat> um, I was just having a conversation with Jimmy about um, my time as an intern on the scoring stage. And that's how I started at Skywalker Sound was, mm-hmm. you know, as an assistant mm-hmm. to film scores. And I started just discussing the process. And then I just started discussing how cues break down. And he, and he was like, this would make a really good podcast. You know, honestly and truly, it was it was his idea. Yeah. And um, and I said, well, yeah, that'd be great. Let me let me just kind of figure out what I would do, you know. And so I I just read a little bit, and I'd you know been reading the making of Star Wars again, Rensselaer's book, which had come out in two thousand seven. But at the time, it just been released on iPad, and it was mm-hmm. like making highlights on my iPad, and, you know, and like really just kind of going over stuff again because I'd heard the music so much. Uh, during my time at Lucas and I used to be you know when I was reading all those books we were talking about earlier I had the old uh, 93 box set 92 93 box set right. and I would just sit there in college and I would have it in the CD player and I would just hit play and I would read books where I should have been reading you know course stuff but I was reading you know uh, Star Wars books I was going to the local store and buying buying them on paperback when they finally hit paperback you know mm-hmm. And uh, I just heard it all my life. And I just thought, well, absolutely, we should do this. I'm a music major, you know, music theory nut, uh, studied composition, I've done composition, tons of music editing. Let's talk about it. It, During the time that I started really getting into it, and when you suddenly find an audience, just like you guys know, um, the the weight of responsibility of research just smacked me really hard. And that was back in 2015. And it was to the point where at this point in 2017, I have gone back and I mean, I own soundtracks that Williams wrote in the 1960s. Um, I've gone back, I've read books. Actually, there's only one book in the English language that's really available about him uh, by Emilio Odesino. I've read that twice. Um, you know, I've read just about every, and I've watched just about every interview I can possibly find. Um, I've been, you know, collecting his concert works, uh, you know, stuff that he wrote. Uh, you know, like violin concerti and trumpet and, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
what do you call it? Um, uh, programmed music that he would write, you know, um, uh, I, I've just have devoured all of that stuff over the last four years and then beyond. And I thought I was a soundtrack nut before, but it goes way beyond Williams. Cause you start getting into, uh, I mean, I, I was already into Goldsmith and Sylvester and, and James Horner and, and all of the big modern people, but, you know, went back for, um, you know, Henry Mancini and Max Steiner and, right. and, uh, Corn Gold and Miklos Rosa and you know you start getting into all this older stuff because you realize that it's all connected and John Williams actually worked with them Bernard Herrmann's another big one mm-hmm. um, and so like that that really um, that really changed my life in, in, a, in a huge way because it I, I just I, I it opened my mind to be a sponge for things that you know I thought I knew before but you can always go deeper on any subject and so of course I did um, I went, I went deeper on it. Um, you know, and then it's a really smart audience and they send very smart questions and I yeah. go, Ooh, good question. I go and research. And then that leads me to research three other things. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very good question. And, uh, I wish I could say that I was, you know, uh, I came out of the gate knowing everything, but of course I didn't. Um, but that's half I, the fun I, though, right? Is that that discovery that you had to go through and, you know, all the stuff mm-hmm. that you learned. And I think that this is why when you read textbooks, there's your second edition, third edition, right. fourth edition edition because things get refined over time you know as you kind of start making new connections um so you know i did a panel at at, uh at at celebration about the music of rogue one and Mm -hmm. there were things in there that i put together that i hadn't put back put together back when that when that episode came out um and it was better just because i had done it once already you know it's like new teacher with lesson plans you know your first year is going to be a bit of a stumble and then when you get to go back to it, you just you feel like you're you know so much more. So yeah. it was a discovery process for sure. Um, you haven't had a, a new episode in a few months. Is that just because of celebration, or is it on hiatus? Is it going to come back? There's a there's a myriad of reasons. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't be with them, but uh, you know I'm still continuing my research, and uh, you know part of it was celebration, part of it was being a new father, part of it was my career, um, but. Uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still keeping up the research and still have plans to share more music analysis. So I would just say stay tuned. Awesome. Well, congratulations uh, on being a new father, though. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's almost six months old. Oh, that's wow. amazing. That's so much more important than a podcast. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. <laughs> Twitter certainly doesn't think so. Oh, I, I, I'm on your side. I, I'll agree with you. <laughs> No, I, I really appreciate uh, you guys listening. I appreciate everyone listening so much. I can't even I can't even tell you it's been life changing. And you know, one of the nice things to come out about it too was you know like uh, Jaquino listened to it. Yeah. You know, and uh, and you know Robert Lopez and things like that. Yeah. And uh, because of that, it opened up dialogue with them. You know, and that's that's been just uh, that's amazing. That's just been amazing. Yeah, totally amazing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, it's great, great stuff. We. Uh, we We've run out of time, I know. We kept you a lot longer than we said we were going to. I have a ton of questions I still wanted to ask you. I'm going to ask you one last thing, and then we're going to let you go. Yes, yes. But we'll have to do this again, because, yeah, I just looked at the clock, and I was like, oh, my God, it's been an hour. It's been an hour. I know. I couldn't believe it either. So one last thing, and then we'll save all of everything else for for part two. Um, I'm kind of in love with your George Lucas impression, and so I'm not going to let you go without doing it. So what would it sound like? If George were to say your favorite line from all eight films. I, uh, I hate sand. 
Uh, right, right. George hates it. Rick, Rick, let me finish the line. Right. Okay, George. Fine. Oh, fine. Uh, I hate sand. It's uh, hard to render digitally. I uh, I don't think that's the line, George. Uh, it is now. Um, I don't know. I, I it's all I could. I, yeah. Um, that's perfect. Yeah. I used, I used to do that impression. In fact, I think there was a, a a bag like a paper bag puppet of George Lucas at one point that I did. <laughs> the, the sound of. But anyway, um, I used to do that. Uh, uh, to people and uh, well, when I was working on Force Unleashed, I used to do that to Sam, and and so um, I and we would crank call like our, our our friends, like we like my composer Jesse Harlan, and just leave them messages like, uh, Jesse, it's uh, George Lucas. I uh, heard what you were saying in the uh, dining comments there, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you're fired. Click like. <laughs> You know, and it was just like just ridiculous. And let me just state for the record, George Lucas is is one of my all time heroes. Um, <laughs> just I love the man with a passion, and and uh, you know is responsible for my basically my entire career. So it is with great love that I do oh, that impression. Of course. Many of others, course. of course, <laughs> it is with love, and it is, I I do adore that impression. Every time you do oh. it on on Oxygen, I just break down. I just can't. So I'm thrilled that you could <laughs> do it for us. <laughs> One last story. Yeah, is do it. That, um, in Halloween of 2001, a very young David Collins, um, who had been sitting at a desk for a while and had put on quite a few pounds for his 20-something age, uh, um, grew out his beard and let his hair grow and went to the ILM Halloween party dressed as George Lucas. <laughs> have you heard this story? I have, have you not. Seen this photo? <laughs> no. Right, well. No. <laughs> so they had just put out the Phantom Menace on DVD, and I, of course, watched all the bonus features, brilliant DVD. And I had a Lucasfilm uh, Episode One crew bomber jacket, pair of jeans, white tennis <laughs> shoes, blue flannel, got some fake glasses, and uh, I went as George Lucas. And when I walked into the Island Halloween party, which was this huge warehouse, um, people parted. People like the Red Sea parted. Like people got no. out of the way because they thought I was him. <laughs> um, and then as I slowly walked past, you would hear people laugh because they realized, you know, and I ended up winning one of the prizes. I mean, the, the ILM Halloween uh, parties were insane because you've got like model makers, like sure. people from the model shop building costumes. And this was before cosplay was really a big thing. So like you've probably seen more impressive stuff at Comic-Con. But at the time, it was like, I cannot believe this guy is walking around as the Iron Giant. Like he actually is the Iron Giant <laughs> built a giant mech of a costume that's like what the competition was like so i won fifth place in the uh in the costume contest and when it was over the photographer's like i gotta take you over to george and get a picture of you guys no. together and that was the first time i ever met him and uh he was like oh this guy you know <laughs> he's like uh, he'd been hearing about you all night right well, he saw me. He saw me go up on stage, and you know, and he was in the audience, and you know, and and when I went to stand next to him, and he shook my hand, suddenly all these flashbulbs just like, and I'm a sound assistant in the games department. Like, what an idiot was I to dare to dress like this guy? Anyway, he's like, I I saw you in the in the audience there before you went up. I almost tapped you on the shoulder. I think if I would have taken your place, I could have bumped you up a couple spots. Uh, I like, oh, thank you. And he's like, you know, I work so hard. And yet you go up and you take prize money. All right. Um, 
And he goes, by the way, your uh, your hair's not gray enough, and your your shirt's not flannel enough. <laughs> Get this imposter out of here. But no, he talked to me for like, uh, I don't know, probably a good three to five minutes while people took pictures. And, wow. you know, all I could think of was I am mere feet from the brain that created Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in I've I've met him a couple times since then, and it wasn't, but that was the first time, sure. and I was like, this is surreal. I was probably 24, 25 years old, something like that, yeah. and uh, you yeah. know, he was so gracious about it and so cool, and I'm like, this guy, you know, this guy rules. But yeah, yeah that was the beginning of the uh, of the George Lucas impression there. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. I think I have an idea for my Halloween costume this year. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was cool. David, thank you so much. I, you know, we we went so much longer than we said, but I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. (laughs) No, I had a great time, and thanks for your patience on getting this all organized. I know it took a while, and uh, thanks for having me on. So, Jamie, next time you go into work for a Halloween party, I think you should dress up as... Do you, you have people above you, like a manager or a boss? I don't know if you do. <laughs> if I you do. do. You're I the do, head yes. honcho at the place. <laughs> no. <laughs> when, when you get there, dress up for them as Halloween and see how it goes over. As as <laughs> oh, as my boss? I thought you, I thought yeah. you were going to say dress up as George Lucas. <laughs> oh, I mean, you could do that too, but no, definitely dress up as your boss. People will be like, who are you? Um, yeah, I could try that. I don't know how well that would fly, but I could try it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a fantastic interview. And it's I, I, I really hope that someday he might want to revive the podcast. But you can always go back to listen to it. And, and, you know, it's fantastic. I bet his podcast is the type of one where you could probably listen to it two or three times and kind of get dissected every time and get something new out of it. You really can. I've thought about going back because I've listened to all of them and like I've thought about going back and just because I I, my mind is my memory is terrible. So like I've forgotten (laughs) many of the um, most amazing tidbits that he discovered. So I mean, I'm sure by like me listening to it again, it would be like, wow, really? Like I'd never heard it before (laughs) because my memory is so bad. What? That happened? And I've I've listened to it three times and how did I not know that? And you know what? You can also exactly. go back and li- you can also go back and listen to our podcast. I was actually doing it the other day when I got the podcast app. I went down. I went back and downloaded a few because even I forget our own interviews. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I don't. I, I, <laughs> let me let me tell you a secret. I don't think I've ever listened to a single one of our episodes again after we've done it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure if I go back. I'll uh, it'll be like like who is this genius interviewer because these are great talks. <laughs> well, you know, and we get that question, we get that statement a lot from people, and I don't think they're just being nice that we that you have fantastic questions. So I think that if it were nice, it would happen once, but it's happened so many times that it's kind of not a coincidence anymore. <laughs> I think it's for real. So yeah. pat on your back. Well, we try. For that. It's not. Well, thank you. It's not just me. It's a team effort, and uh, I couldn't do it without you. all right guys thank you so much for coming back every single week if you don't come back every week what is wrong with you hit the subscribe button and make sure you're subscribed and you can get us in any podcast app or on itunes or directly however you want to find us you can find us and you can also connect with us on facebook and twitter at the gbb podcast for both and i am justin connors at 140 justin c and i am jamie at the roarbots And we will see you next time right here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Take care.
This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.